Is it on? Welcome to the Shant Show with your hosts, Curtis, Josh, Mario, and Jordan. All right, everybody, welcome into another edition of the Shant Show. This one's a little bit uh, weird, not not in that the episode will be, but that in the timing of this episode, we're not coming to you after a game. We're not coming to you really before a game. We're just kind of giving you our reaction to uh, what has happened since Coastal Carolina's absolute demolition at the hands of James Madison. Obviously, they they lose the opportunity to go to the Sun Belt Championship game. App State represents the East. They lose to Troy, and then the world goes to shit. Um, Coastal Carolina is invited to the Hawaii Bowl, which is cool. Uh, the Aloha Stadium is a nightmare, but this is the last Hawaii Bowl in the Aloha Stadium before they maybe get a new stadium. I don't really know what's happening with that, um, but we'll we'll get into that a little bit later. Then, approximately half of Coastal's roster enters the transfer portal, and then, as we'll talk about. Florida State gets absolutely shafted by the playoff committee. Again, we'll break all that down in the episode, but we'll start local. We'll start Coastal Carolina. Josh, what's your initial reaction? San Jose State, December 23rd in the Hawaii Bowl. First reaction is what it's a great switch of pace for what we've been going, especially from Birmingham last year. Like The Hawaii Bowl is one of the cooler destinations you can go to. It'll be huge for our student athletes to get that experience. And when you think of a bowl game and the experience that it is, you kind of picture Hawaii, the Bahamas. Going down to Florida is cool too. Shit, we enjoyed our, enjoyed our time at the Cure Bowl. Um, but it's a cool bowl game. We haven't really got a cool bowl game yet. So to see them, even on a season where seven and five was meh, like it was okay, but nothing banner for us. To get this with a chance to cap it off is pretty special. And San Jose State is a team this year is quite a bit like us. The Mountain West is, in a lot of ways, I think it compares pretty well to the Sun Belt usually um, in terms of its strength. They got some really good teams in there. And I, I like the matchup. I think that the opening line is weird because I don't know what it is now, but when I checked, it was like 10.5 San Jose State. I think that's more of an overreaction to – the, what they thought, who was going to be in the portal, who was going to be available. But I honestly think that, and we'll talk more in depth about it, I think this is a game we can win. And I think I've said it in the last episode, I think it's kind of a game we need to win so that we can carry some momentum, really solidify some transfer portal recruits, cap the season with a bowl win, which has only ever happened one time in coastal history. You cap the season with a bowl win, Teal Nation's going to be pretty happy. And we've only been able to do it once. We said it. Getting in bowl games is cool, but that's the bottom line now. That's the expectation. Now you got to start winning them so that we can represent the conference. And I, overall, I'm very excited about that. And I think that depending on how the roster shake out, I really think we have a, a chance to to beat San Jose State. And they're one of they match up well with a lot of the teams we played in the middle of our schedule. They're not as good as James Madison, but I would say they're on the same level as like an App State team. And, and it's a game we can win. And I'm very excited for our guys. Yeah, I think this is a real opportunity for Coastal Carolina. Um, San Jose State kind of had a – you said it, they had a very similar season to Coastal Carolina. Started out hot, got a little cold, got warm again at the end. Um, had the potential to represent, um, you know, the, themselves at the Mountain West Conference game uh, – Conference Championship game, excuse me, and just kind of let it slip away. Um Again, Coastal Carolina is going to be headed uh, all the way out to Hawaii. You're going to get those 10 to 15 extra practices, which is super useful. Um, We'll get into it a little bit later about how many players are in the transfer portal and how we expect basically none of them to play. Um, But for now, Jordan, what are your expectations? What are you hoping for out of this game? this this practice and and what are you hoping Tim Beck can get out of his team headed to Hawaii well I think the first thing that he needs to try to get the team going in this bowl ahead of this bowl game with the practices is just 
guys, just continue to keep working hard and play physical. I mean, we let's just be honest. I mean, that JMU game, we did not look like the Sean Clare team that we have been used to seeing most of the year, especially when we were on that five-game winning streak um, in the middle of the season. So I think that the, the main thing he needs to get is just the players just play well. Um, I think he kind of gets – he has an understanding of who's going to play, who's not going to play. So um, just get the guys that we have that's really willing to go out there and get this win. I mean, Josh mentioned it. He feels pretty confident that we can get this win. I feel the same way. Um, I think that we got enough players that are still um, with us that's not in the portal that we can actually beat San Jose State and we can bring a bowl game win here. Uh, Tim Beck needs it. Um, we're one and two in bowl games. Uh, we definitely need to try to get this this bowl game win. It's huge. It's a big. It's a big game. Um, it's big for recruiting. It's big for transfer portal. It's big for um, players that want to come here for next season. Um, it's just big overall. So we just got to wait and see what happens. But um, I think Tim Bet's going to have those guys ready. I think that um, Navier's going to have the defense ready. I think the defense is going to play a lot better this game. And um, I think overall the all the coaches will be ready. We have to, we have to win this game though for sure. And I think that uh, if they can come out on top in the Hawaii Bowl, it's big uh, going into next season. And for Tim Beck, he definitely needs it. Yeah, as far as the roster too, like in terms of being intact for the bowl game, I actually think it'll be pretty okay. Offensive line should all be there. Sam Pickney will be there. We'll have Tucker and Duplacy will be there. So from that regard, Kendall Carr will be there, and then you'll at least have. Braden Bennett and Reese White. So that takes care of the offense right there. Defense, the only guys that I think will be missing are maybe JT Killen. I, I saw that he might play, but I think that tweet is more of a, um, these guys are going to fly with the team to Hawaii. But I, after what we saw with McCall getting hurt in that game last year, I don't think any of those guys are actually going to play meaningful downs for us. And I wouldn't blame them for not doing it either. But I think our roster offense and defense will be pretty intact for the game despite the transfer stuff honestly yeah it's it's interesting because like at an ohio state level like all those guys that are entering the portal for them like they're not playing in the bowl game you can definitively say that none of those guys from ohio state are playing in the game but like there's kind of a respect level at coastal carolina where you're like hey go make a name at a different school if you can't make it here or if you have made it here make your name you know nationally known um and so there's a little bit of a like hey we understand type attitude rather than oh you're abandoning us attitude so i i think there's going to be some incentive for some of the guys in the portal to play but like i wouldn't expect grayson mccall to play i wouldn't expect like uh tyson mobley to play i wouldn't expect you know some of these guys that 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 really um have a chance to make a name for themselves jared brown i wouldn't expect to play Right, like those guys who who but like who else is in the portal that currently played for us this year? I mean, Jared Guest, uh, CJ yes. Beasley, um, Jamar Brown. Uh, yeah. I mean, Jacob Prochet. I mean, he was he was in pretty early. Um, you know, Taven Jackson was was big last year. So like right. like there's there's decent names in there for Coastal, and so like. I'm worried about headed out to Hawaii and here's a bunch of walk-ons and true freshmen. And it's like, it, it's a whole waste of, of time. Mario, this San Jose state team, we'll get into it in, in the, the pregame episode more, but it's a team that coastal Carolina has never played before. It's the location coastal Carolina has never played at before. Um, how excited are you uh, about the Hawaii bowl? Or are you looking more forward to the off season and just starting new next year? Well, look, I'm excited for Hawaii, you know. I'm excited to see them go to Honolulu, play in the Aloha Stadium. And, well, we've mentioned it. It's a change of pace. It's a change of scenery from what we've been used to. The last three years, we've had Birmingham and Orlando twice. Nothing against Orlando, but once you've been there one time, you know, you don't want to see your team go to the same bowl game every single year. And Birmingham was not the best bowl game we could have gone to. Look, for a team that only had seven wins, we'll take Hawaii. You know, we'll take Hawaii. We were... Looking for New Orleans, I mean, I think I could speak for everybody else. Maybe not, but I could speak for everybody else when I say Hawaii is a lot better than New Orleans. Let's keep it a buck. You know, so I'm not saying the bowl, but as far as like the actual location, I would rather go to Hawaii as far as like a three days opposed to New Orleans. 
However, I'm absolutely excited for this, you know, and I think in a season where it was very up and down, where it wasn't what a lot of these players expected. Remember, a lot of players decided to stay who last year we thought were going to be gone. A lot of players decided to stay to see what this Timbex system was like. And judging by it now, a lot of guys are going to transfer out. Maybe it wasn't the experience they hoped that they had here with Tim Beck. But I will say this, after everything that happened between the 7-5 and five record, you know, the underachieving times that we've lost and just everything that could have gone wrong, I think a win in the Aloha Stadium, the last game played in that stadium, and I think bringing a bowl trophy back to Conway, especially getting to say that all of these players went to Hawaii and ended up basically beating San Jose there. I think that alone is amazing. And we said it, San Jose team, uh, San, Jose, San Jose State, excuse me, is a team that we're expected to beat, you know, that I think it's a pretty winnable game. I will say that in their wins, they look pretty dominant. And in their losses, they also look pretty lackluster. So I feel like we're going to get one or the other to say it shortly. But I am looking forward to this game. I am looking forward to see the team go to Hawaii. And look, I think out of all the bowl games that we could have got, in my opinion, I think Hawaii might have been the best one. Yeah, I'm not going to complain about Hawaii. The only thing I'm going to complain about is as a member of the media, uh, a plane ticket to Hawaii is $2,500. If you're going to announce a game in Hawaii, announce it a couple years in advance. So that way I'm not paying the Christmas tax and booking a flight like three weeks before I need to take it. Uh, That'd be very much appreciated. I know you can't do that in this situation, but uh it's ridiculous. Like, uh, yeah, it's it's not good. Um, but yeah, I, I'm excited for Hawaii. I'm excited for the opportunity that this team has. However, the news of the past couple of weeks is concerning. We've made mention of it multiple times here. A lot of big names for Coastal Carolina in the portal. I mean, Jared Brown, who who was a um, an All Sun Belt pick. Jamar Brown, a transfer from South Carolina, is now back in the portal after looking pretty good for Coastal Carolina early in the season. C.J. Beasley, Myrtle Hurdle, hero in the portal. Um, a lot of depth guys. Braylon Ryan on the defensive end. Jared Guest, who started games at quarterback. Didn't know that he had eligibility left, but. Uh, he's he's in the portal now. Grayson McCall, obviously, you know, the, the best player in Coastal Carolina history is in the portal. Um, Donnell Wilson, who didn't play this season but was an anchor last year on the offensive line, is, is in the portal. Jacob Prochet, JT Killen, who was um, a representative of Coastal Carolina at Sunbelt Media Days and had a really good season this year. He's in the portal. Bryson Summers, one of the top recruits from last year's um, – recruiting classes in the portal. So, I mean, Coastal Carolina has roughly about 15 to 20 guys in the portal as of December 5th. How concerning is that? Do you think this is players bailing on Tim Beck? Do you think this is players thinking the grass is greener on the other side? Or do you think in the case of maybe McCall or Killen, they just think they've maxed out at Coastal Carolina? Josh, where are you at with it all? So with the names that have entered... I'm really honestly not concerned at all. None of those guys that entered, except maybe the guy that you mentioned was a freshman last year and transferred out, none of them concern me or surprise me. Taven Jackson does a little bit because he rehabbed his torn ACL all year, and you would like that guy back at safety. Trey Pickney didn't play this year. He, Well, he played, but a lot of these guys thought, and they were in our preseason um, like breakdowns in their positions because we knew them. But a lot of these guys that are in the portal, either the only two, the only three that I think want to go and are able to go to a bigger stage are McCall, Jared Brown, and JT Kelly. Those are the only guys that I think transferred out because of how well they did at Coastal. Jamar Brown lost playing time down the stretch. Jacob Proche barely played at all because he was behind Eubanks and Lusk. Um, I said Jackson and Pinckney, they didn't contribute at all this year. Donnell Wilson, like you said, he kind of wasn't a starter. A lot of the guys, I think, are transferring out for more playing time. And at the end of the day, that's always going to happen. If In in today's modern era, if guys don't play and they don't think that maybe they can earn time under the coach, then they're going to get out and go somewhere where they can play. But I would be more concerned, but I'm not surprised by any of these guys because, like I said, Either they didn't play as much as they thought they were going to this year, or they've just played too well over the past two or three years, and they want to go to Power Five schools. But I'm honestly, I'm honestly not concerned. And 
from the looks of it, if he can keep some of the other guys, if we can kind of stop it here, then I actually think he did a pretty good job. So we'll, I think whether or not he loses this phase with what we have is still to be determined, but I'm not worried at all with the names right now. Yeah, last offseason, he had a lot of success in bringing players back out of the portal. I don't know that he's going to have that same effect this year. Um, I think Grace McCall is 100% gone. Whether that's a massive step up like last year to Auburn, like we thought was happening, or if he ends up at, at Duke to replace Riley Leonard or, or one of the you know, B-tier Power 5 teams, um, I, I know 10 is gone at this point. Like there is, there's zero doubt in my mind that, that, that this kid is coming back. Um, JT Killen, same way. I, I just don't see any reason why that kid wouldn't go and test himself in the ACC, help his drive. I've, I've even heard Jared Brown to Georgia. So, I mean, you can't fault him there. Right. Like, what are you going to, what are you going to stop him from going to, you know, the two time defending national champs, right? Like obviously they won't be this season, but like shit how are you going to hold a kid back from an opportunity like that like if i if i'm tim beck i'm telling him to take that opportunity like go take that scholarship go be great at at georgia like you deserve that opportunity so i don't think he's going to have that same success this year and i think these transfers are going to hurt coastal a lot because i don't see where the replacements are going to come he did a good job at bringing in transfers this season but there really wasn't anyone uh, how do I want to phrase this? There was no one that came out of the transfer portal this year that blew us away, right? Like no one that he added to this roster. We were like, oh, there's, there's, a, you know, there were a couple of players we thought had a chance. Courtney Eubanks, I remember I was super high on him when he transferred in and, and we just didn't get that impact. So um, I'm nervous about the ability for Coastal Carolina to replace these players, just A, because there's so many, and B, it's it's a decent chunk of talent. Jordan, I want you to play speculator here a little bit. Grayson McCall is the best player in Coastal Carolina history. Should he transfer away, which again, I think is almost a, a dead set guarantee, where would you like to see 10 end up? And how much of an impact do you think that could have on Coastal Carolina as being you know, in, in the new NCAA, being a feeder school is not the worst thing in the world. Man, that's tough because there's a lot of openings right now for quarterbacks because there's a lot of quarterbacks that's in the – Auburn's not, not a bad choice. Auburn actually looks pretty good. I mean, they they almost beat Bama. All they had to do was stop them on fourth and 31. But Auburn's not a bad choice. Um Good Lord, I mean, you got a lot of a lot of big time schools, power five schools that need a good quarterback like Grayson McCall. And I I can't think of any other places. I mean, man, it's it's a lot. Let me let me interject here. There's a lot of rumors going around that Jamie Chadwell is gonna be one and done at Liberty. Um, he's been connected to uh the Mississippi State job and the Duke job already. Would you hold it against Grayson McCall if he reunited with with Jamie Chadwell? I know we're not the biggest fans of Jamie Chadwell after what he pulled last offseason, but would you hold it against Grayson McCall for reuniting with the coach that led him to all this success? Not at all. I wouldn't. I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, I mean, let's just be honest here. When Jamie Chadwell was running the offensive play calling here at Coastal, and when he had Grayson McCall, his quarterback, they were pretty much unstoppable. We saw it. We've seen it for like two years. They were unstoppable at that point. And if you got an opportunity to go back to your former coach and he goes to a bigger power five school than where he's at now, a group of five with Liberty, why wouldn't you take that opportunity? Like you said, Mississippi State, that's not a bad school to go to. SEC, um, Starkville's known for having um, loyal and the Bulldog Nation down there. So, I mean, I would I wouldn't put it I wouldn't even be mad if Grayson did that because at the end of the day, Grayson's trying to get to the NFL. I think he's done enough with Coastal to get maybe a fourth, fifth round pick if he did go to the draft this year. Maybe third, maybe third. I'm just okay, maybe not third. Okay. <laughs> I'm only saying that because I'll because Grayson's, you know, 
the best that ever did it and did so much here. But um, if he did go to a bigger Power Five school and actually put up numbers like he's been, like he did his first couple of seasons, I think then you you get a little bit closer to that bigger draft projection. But I wouldn't be mad if he did that because Jamie Chadwell is doing great right now, unfortunately, with Liberty. And, you know, who's to say he wouldn't get a chance to do that again with his old former coach? Yeah, I think he needs another year in college. And I, I really do think that it needs to be somewhere else. I think he's maxed out his potential here. Um, he looked really good in the two games right before he got hurt with Beck. It looked like things were finally clicking. And it, it, it kills me to not be able to see that through the rest of this season because he looked really good. I mean, he had thrown for his career high against App State, and he was throwing, he'd already thrown for like 280 in the third quarter before he got hurt against Arkansas State. But I mean, how could you not want to go? As much as we don't like Jamie Chadwell right now and all of that, what he did with Caden Salter this year, who is nowhere near the quarterback level that, that Grayson McCall is. 13-0, he made Caden Salter look great. People are talking about maybe he even – nobody knew who that even was coming into the season. And his offense is just so easy, and it makes a quarterback look great. It's such a good offense. I can't fault it. It works. They didn't play anybody, and they're going to probably get murdered in the Fiesta Bowl. But as a quarterback, how could you not want to play in something that caters to you so much? But I really think he'll end up at NC State or Wake Forest He's a guy that's always he always wants to stay near home. He's from North Carolina. I really think I would be absolutely shocked if he didn't end up at Duke, Wake Forest, or NC State. I think those are the three schools you can look at. And if you sprinkled whatever the transfer portal futures are, I think he'll be at one of those three next year. I, I wouldn't rule out uh, UNC either. They're going to be looking to replace uh, Drake May. Um, and I think that's another reasonable home. Uh, I'll come to you, Mario, with this question. It might be a question you're not totally prepared for, but um, you're always good at thinking on your feet. So I'll come to you with this one. I mentioned it very briefly there before. Would you be opposed to Coastal Carolina being a feeder school for Power 5 teams? Not in that Coastal Carolina, like all their talent leaves every year, but that Coastal Carolina puts together a roster for two. They plan themselves that, hey, we're only going to have these kids for two years and then they're going to go somewhere else. Do you think that something like that would be sustainable? Do you think that would work for Coastal or would it just deplete Coastal's roster over and over again and you would never get anywhere? I think the best way to compare to what you just said and the idea you just said is kind of like when the Los Angeles Rams gave up all their first round picks to win a Super Bowl. The problem is you have to do it now. And so if he does do that, if he does decide, I'm going to put together a roster that's going to be here for two years and then they're going to leave and go to a better school. Tim Beck has to be in win-now mode. He cannot go seven and five. This isn't a process that's going to take time. If you do that, you only got these kids for two years. You're going to have to, in those two years, prove that Coastal Carolina is a growing place, is a hot spot for football. And if he can do that, I'm all for it. You know, obviously we didn't expect a lot of guys from Coastal that was doing great. We didn't expect a lot of them to stay. For instance, Josiah Stewart, it was only a matter of time until he left. Guys like Willie Lampkin, you know, as much as we're not fans of him on this pod or as much as we talked about, you know, how he could have been better, he still went to uh, North Carolina. These guys are going to leave and we got to be willing to accept that. So to answer your question, if he can say, all right, look, we're in win now mode. If he says that, perfect, do it, have these guys for two years, send them to other schools. Because what's going to happen next is in two years, if you can prove that Coastal has not only improved, but turned into a powerhouse in the Sun Belt, at least, you're going to get a lot of these guys coming from Power 5 schools into here, and you're going to start building talent. But if Tim Beck says, you know, this is a process and it's going to take a lot of time, then you need to recruit the guys, the younger players from high school that you know is going to fit into your system. And that's why I agree with Josh. I'm not concerned about the guys leaving because I think that this gives Tim Beck an opportunity to find the guys that do fit his system the best. And I hope that he can do that. But to answer your question, if he wants to go grab these transfers from other schools and be like, this is what we want for two years and we're going to be the best school that we could possibly be for two years, sign me up. I'm perfectly fine with it. But either way, Tim Beck has to improve. 
it's as simple as that. Yeah, I I, I like that you just said that at the end too, because last year he's coming in and the recruiting cycle had already started. Everybody had already announced they're leaving the portal before he even really stepped foot on campus. So like last year he was in survival mode, get as many guys back as we can and then see what I have and then see who I can add. And he didn't really get much of a chance to do that on offense, which is his bread and butter. And I think that the guys he got in to come in on defense, regardless of if that was him or Niver for the most part, they were actually pretty good. And our defense improved like 80 spots in efficiency. So this really gives us a look. He does have to step up this year. Like this is now his chance to show that he can recruit. He's supposedly this top recruiter coming in. And now he's going to have to showcase that because he's going to have to replace offensive production, real offensive production. And, but yeah, I think after what Mario said, we don't really care who's here for how long, as long as we win football games, I could care less about who's in the jerseys or how we got them. And if we keep winning football games, we'll keep getting recruits. If we keep getting recruits, we'll keep winning football games. I think that no matter how we get it done, as long as we're competitive every year, as long as we're making bowl games and winning a couple here and there and competing for conference championships, do what you got to do, man. Like win football games is all that really matters at the end of the day. Right. And if you guys to stay for an extra year, if you can find replacements out there, go get them. That's the nature of football right now. That's what we're going to have to do at Coastal. Those guys are going to leave anyways. So that's just the name of the game. Right. And if you remember earlier in the season, what our expectations was for this season, we're not asking Tim Beck to do anything impossible. We're not asking him to go 12-0 and 0 like we did three years ago and be a top 15 team. That would be great. Our expectations were 9-3, and 8-4. and four. There were a couple games that you could go look back to this year where we could have easily went 9-3 and three or 8-4. and four. We were one game short of that. We were one game short of it. And if we did get that game, that game that we were supposed to win in James Ma- against James Madison, we would have been in the Sun Belt Championship. But we were one game short, and that's unfortunate. But we're not asking anything impossible from Tim Beck. All we're asking is that you improve, and all we're asking is that you continue to keep Coastal Carolina or bring them back to be in a powerhouse in the Sun Belt. That's all we're asking for. I also want to throw this, like I know Curtis is probably about to address what Mario said too, but it's it's worth noting for us that James Madison lost their coach, Kurt Signetti, after James Madison fans on Twitter were so convinced that, oh, we're different, we win championships, he's going to see that he should stay here and we're about to be the new wave of Power 5. He got a better contract, and he went from the lowest-paid Sunbelt coach to making like $5 million a year at Indiana. And guess what? All his coaches left with him. All his players are leaving with him, and he's lost like 11 or 12 decommits. No one is safe in this game, and it really brought me back to where we were last year. And you're not safe just because of what you've done. Every year the coach leaves, you got to rebuild, and it's really important that you make a good hire, and that's what the next future of your program is going to look like. So I'm just curious on what you think, how you think that's going to go for them, and ultimately is that a good thing for Coastal that now this juggernaut might be a little more beatable? Yeah, so so I'll address that in two ways, and the first is how I look at it today on December 5th, and that is that Kurt Signetti – jump to like the worst team in the big 10. Like they haven't won a bowl game since the nineties. Like they, I don't think they've even been to a bowl game since the nineties. Like, like, but that's where the money is, right? That's where the talent is. That's where players want to play. And if Signetti is going to go from, I think he was making like 400,000, 600,000, but was it six? I, yeah. Coach. Yeah. To, to like, four four and a half five million dollars at at indiana like what what why would you hold that against him right because college football and and we'll get into this a lot more when we start talking about the cfp is about money it's not about football it's not about tradition it's not about winning championships it's about money and the money is in the power five conferences and so that's why i don't mind coastal carolina being a full-on feeder school you bring in recruits and you tell them, hey, you will be on Coastal Carolina's campus for two years. Two years from now, you will enter the portal and you will transfer to Georgia. You will transfer to Duke. You will transfer to Clemson. You will transfer to wherever. But for those two years, you're going to develop. You're going to change. You're going to be a hell of a person. And you are going to win championships at Coastal Carolina. Then you're going to prove that you can go and do it somewhere else. 
I don't mind that attitude at all. You sprinkle in a couple of power five rejects through the transfer portal. You have full buy-in from the coach on down. I think you're fine. I think Coastal Carolina works really well in that system. Does it suck as a fan? Absolutely. Right. Your favorite player will leave. And like every year, you will not have the Grayson McCalls that stuck around for 12 years. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, uh, App State fans are are glad to see the back at 10 because it feels like he's been our quarterback for like 15 years in a row now. But I th- I think that, yes, Coastal Carolina can compete as an underdog and can compete as a feeder school who knows full well that their players are leaving at the end of the season to go chase bigger and better opportunities. The second part of my answer is what I think is the solution to all of this. And, and I think it's promotion and relegation in, in NCAA football. Um, NCAA president today, um, he he announced that certain segments of NCAA, he's going to push for student athletes to be paid directly by their school, um, which is the first admission by the NCAA that that's a possibility. So, I think when you have that, you have the top tier. And I think what you'll see is, is you'll never get schools to agree to this, but I think the only way to fix the greed and to fix college football's promotion relegation, um, the Sun Belt will be tied to the SEC. The top team in the Sun Belt gets to play the bottom team in the um, SEC in a playoff game. And the winner of that game gets to go to the SEC next season the loser of that game is in the Sun Belt, right? And the Sun Belt is tied to, like, the SWAC or something. Um, And, like, you have promotion and relegation on, like, a three-tier scale. So you'll have a team like Jackson State that can move from FCS to FBS to the SEC in, like, four years, right? Or you can have a team like Vandy that completely shits the bed and goes from the the SEC to the Sun Belt to they're they're playing Alabama A and M, you know, two years after they played Alabama, right? So, like, I think that's how you fix it. I know that no schools will ever agree to that, but I think that would make that would bring the fan back into football rather than just the dollar signs. Josh, you had a point to add here. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And could you imagine, like, the last game of the season, the one in ten Arkansas State versus one in 11 ULM matchup for the last place in the Sun Belt to play the first, like that would make every game really meaningful. And yeah, it would put no, like you said, no, no schools would ever agree to that because if they can't see their fixed budget for the next 10 years, they freak out. But I think something needs to happen and I think reform will happen, but we're just in this weird space right now where nobody can figure out NIL Nobody can figure out transfer portal in 10 years from now. I think we'll have a clearer solution on both of those things, but we're going to remember this time is super weird and something that we really may be overindulged in. And then we had to reform, but also with one last point on the, the coastal being the feeder school, like if you're good and we win a championship, well, let's not forget currently it's still set at six conferences. Next year, there will only be nine conferences, the top six conferences, their champion will all get into the playoff. And this year, the Sun Belt, if you take the Pac-12 out, even if you leave the Pac-12 in, the Sun Belt by the composite score would have been the sixth conference. And moving on forward, I don't see why it wouldn't at least be in the top two most years. So you win the Sun Belt championship, you're in the playoff. So being a feeder school and competing for conference championships is going to mean a whole lot more starting next year with a chance for the playoff bid on the line. All right, with that, we'll say goodbye to Josh before we jump into uh, college football playoff talk. Jordan, I, I want to come to you. You wrote a brilliant capstone um, for your graduation, and, and I'll just kind of turn the floor over to you. Um, if you just want to give uh, give our viewers kind of a, a little dissertation on, on that that project that you worked on and, and how it impacts uh, what's happening today. Yeah, so uh, my capstone project is um, I wanted to do something like promote uh, Coastal Carolina with NIL, and so what I what I came up with was I wanted to try to come up with like an NIL website 
through uh, GoCCUSports.com. And what it would be like is what I did was I would I would go to different universities like Clemson. I did Clemson, Florida State, um, Oregon State, just to name a few uh, power five schools. And what their website had was the player's name. It had their name and also like the, the type of NIL uh, endorsement that they had. So I thought that that was like a great idea. I know at the time Coastal didn't have it. I don't think we still have it to this day. And at the time, uh, Great Hall was the only one um, from Coastal that had an NIL endorsement deal with uh, Brady brand um, at the time. So I wanted to try to do something like that. And it was, I li literally did a drawing of um like all the way through like the last player. And it came out pretty well. And I did pretty well on the Capstone project. And um, I know how we feel about Matt Hogue, but I even took it up to Matt Hogue and um, all the other people, big people at Coastal. And they, they loved the idea. They thought the idea was a great idea. So um, I just thought that that would be a great idea. And even still to this day, I think that if, I don't think they have it to this day, but I think go CCU sports and Coastal definitely need to try to do something like that for the players. Um, it'd be a, it'd be a big big way for them to get their name out um and like i said seeing what grayson did at the time players coming in and players that are there now can definitely try to get that big endorsement deal as well so um it was a great capstone project it was very stressful but it was a great uh capstone project for sure yeah and i think that's super important to realize that Coastal Carolina needs to take advantage of NIL if they're going to do this idea that we have of being a feeder school you still have to sign players. You still have to have those endorsement deals. You still have to have the money, right? They're not going to get the same deal that they would if they were at Alabama, but you still have to offer it. You still have to have the opportunity there. And, and I think that's something that Coastal Carolina is really struggling with right now. Um, the Teal Collective is is gone. Um, it, it, it ceases operations on December 31st, and that was kind of Coastal Carolina's way of connecting players with NIL deals and advertisers and and they announced that they're gone. Um, <clears throat> so I think you're going to have have an open open market that Coastal Carolina is going to have to regulate. They're going to have to, you know, help their players out here, and they're going to have to set up a platform so that players don't, you know, decide to go to Auburn to be the fourth string quarterback when they can come to Coastal and win an SBC championship, and then two years from now transfer to Auburn to be the immediate starter. Like that's the idea you have to get into kids' heads right now, and, and I think Coastal Carolina is struggling a little bit in that market. And I think Jordan, your idea would help a lot. We won't take up too much of your time with this. I, I know people are, are getting tired of the story already, but I think it is pivotal that as a college football podcast, mostly we have to talk about the fact that the college football playoff decided that tradition decided that football decided that winning decided that all the indicators that say you're a good team don't matter because you won't bring in the dollars. Florida State undefeated Power 5 conference champion loses out on a college football playoff spot to an Auburn team that had a loss. Uh, or, excuse me, an Alabama team. God, that would get me killed in, in, in Alabama if I screwed those two teams up. But an Alabama team that that lost. Yes, they were the Sun. Uh, they were the SEC champion, but I mean, I can't justify this in any way, shape, or form. Florida State. Yes, they lost Jordan Travis, but Jordan Travis wasn't even good enough to be uh, invited to the Heisman ceremony. So you're not talking about a guy that was runaway Heisman favorite. You're not talking about a guy that was the best player in college football. Yes, he was very good. But losing one player shouldn't cost an entire team. You know, you're talking 120-ish players. You're talking a coaching staff close to 30, right? You're talking about 150 people's efforts get wasted because one one of them got hurt. Not fair, not okay, not acceptable. And again, it's it's the college football playoff choosing dollar signs um, over – competitive interests i don't care if if michigan beat them by 40 right we've seen that in the playoff before um michigan state made it years and years ago now at this point it was one of the first editions of the playoff 
and everybody knew they were the worst team there and they got their ass kicked, but it didn't matter because they deserved to be there. And so I, I think the college football playoff committee said, you know, screw you. We're doing whatever we want. And we're going for ratings in the last year of the 14 playoff uh, rather than crowning a true national champion. And I hope, I hope what Florida state does is they win their bowl game and they raise a banner as national champions like UCF did uh, in 2017. Like, I hope that's like, that's what I hope that fan base and that team does um, is they have a, um, a national championship celebration at the start of next season. Uh, and they get the opportunity to do that. I'll turn it over to you guys. Um, Mario, what are your thoughts on this? Do you think that Florida State was deserving? Do you think they should have got that bowl game? Um, or do you think that that this was justified by the playoff committee? Well, I'll say this. After they announced that Florida State didn't make it or they just missed it, I believe they were number five. I believe when they just missed it, I saw the reactions. And then I clicked on their comments. I think it was on Instagram. And there were people saying, you know, it's absolutely rigged. How did this team go 13-0, beat some good ranked teams and not get into the college football playoffs? And then I heard other people saying, well, let's be honest. They didn't want to see Florida State get absolutely demolished, like you just mentioned. In my opinion, I didn't think their bowl game was – I didn't think they were – my bad, their championship game was that great, to be honest. It was kind of a boring game. As far as it in, in general – there's some teams that you could look at and be and and be like they they could have went in obviously when Alabama wins the SEC championship and obviously in the SEC it's the most important division in football and because they're Alabama once they beat Georgia for you have to kind of expect that the college football panel or the they're going to put them in. Obviously, Alabama is always going to draw eyes to football. It's always going to draw eyes to the television, especially when they play. And as long as you got Nick Saban on the helm, as long as you've got Alabama in general, they're always going to have that chance at making the college football playoffs. And I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't think they were going to make it this year. They were at eight, and I'm saying to myself, we're about to have a new national champion. We're about to have a team that's going to make history. And they got in, I'm saying to myself, I'm like, that's absolutely crazy. But I do think that they're going to definitely have a hard, hard task in that first round. J.J. McCarthy has been absolutely on fire. Roman Wilson has been playing his lights out on offense. That defense is nothing to snooze about. Michigan's got a real chip on their shoulder, and they're going to have a tough task. But to answer your question, I can see both sides. In my opinion, I might be I might be different than everybody else. I'm not going to say Alabama deserved to get into that top four, but – I'm not sure if Florida. I'm not sure how entertaining it would be if Florida State got in, and I think that's the reason why they got snubbed out. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but that's the reason why I think that they didn't make it. But overall, it's the college football playoffs. Those top four teams are still really, really good. Correct me if I'm wrong. I believe Washington's in it. Yes, yeah, Washington's Washington, number two. Washington, honestly, is my is my is the team I want to win. I'm a big fan of Michael Penix Jr. I'm a big fan of what he stands on. I'm a big fan of, you know, his belief in God. That's just me. That's the team I want to see win it. I'm not saying they're gonna, but I said that's my that's the team I want to see win. JJ McCarthy's obviously balling. Texas with Quinn Ewers. You ain't gotta agree with it, but Texas with Quinn Ewers, they're doing pretty decent. So it's gonna be an entertaining college football playoffs. Obviously, Alabama, you know, that that kind of rub people the wrong way. But overall, I do think that it is about money. I do think that it is about who can draw the most eyes. I am shocked that Georgia did not find their way into that top four after that one loss. They were absolutely rolling. And then they, they suffered that one loss. And I believe the loss was like three points too. It wasn't even, it wasn't even like they got blown out. I'm saying to myself, Georgia should at least get, I thought Georgia was going to drop down the four. The fact that they didn't even make it is absolutely ridiculous. But College football is always going to be uh, difficult. The panel is always going to have some controversy to it. So I don't know, man. I'm not, I'm not, I don't disagree with it. I don't agree with it. I understand it. But overall, it's the college football playoffs, and I can't say I'm surprised. Yeah. I think the only counter argument that I have to that is that when we started the playoff era, the playoff committee told us that they valued three things, right? Your final record who you beat and your non-conference schedule ties into that, who you beat and who you lost to and who you lost to lost to. Um, Meaning that like Texas lost or Alabama lost to Texas and Texas lost to, I think it was Kansas state. I don't remember who Texas's loss was this year, Oklahoma, excuse me. Um, 
and they look at that like differently than the fact that Alabama, you know, or, or Georgia lost to Alabama who lost to Texas, right? There's, there's a little bit of a, a, a game that they play with that. But the one that I want to hone in really specifically is how strong your schedule was. Florida state said, we need to be back in the playoff and our best chance to do that is not to play Florida A&M and Samford and Jackson state as our non-con schedule. Our best opportunity to do that is to play Florida an SEC school, LSU an SEC school, and then they played one cupcake. They beat two SEC schools this year and won the ACC. I know the ACC is not the best Power 5 conference, but they won every game you put in front of them, and they scheduled hard games in the non-con. What more do you want from them? Right? What more could you ask for out of that team and out of that, that athletics department to get into the playoff? Jordan, before we get out of here, I'll turn the floor over to you. What's your opinion on it? Yeah, it was it was kind of touch and go. I kind of was like, I kind of felt like the committee was going to uh, leave Florida State out just off the simple fact of, like you mentioned, Jordan Travis was out with that broken leg. But um, I think what the committee did was what they, they did. They saw what transpired in the ACC championship game with Louisville. Um, Florida State was only up 3-0 after halftime and I think they ended up winning 16 to six. So I think what they did was they took that game into consideration. Um, They didn't even look at really the resume of what they had. And they took that one game and how they performed. Everybody else played great. You know, Alabama had 27 over Georgia. Uh, Texas had 49 in their big 12 championship game. Washington put up a lot of points on Oregon uh, Michigan beat uh, Iowa. So I think they thought that at the time, I think what they really thought was they didn't want to see another TCU-Georgia National Championship game. And I think that's why they didn't put them in the in the playoff. Guy, I, I don't know about you guys. I turned the game off of the National Championship game at halftime. I did not even watch the – I went to bed. I, I didn't even know. make it to halftime. Well, I, I wanted to see what would happen, so I stayed till halftime, and I went to bed. Because I knew at that point, I think they were up, Georgia was up 35 to zero on um, TCU. And I said to myself, they're not coming back from that. That historic defense that Georgia had, they're not coming back. But um, I feel for Florida State. Uh, Florida State had waited 10 years. I mean, my God. They haven't been, they haven't had a good season since like 2013, 2014. And God, Florida State has been through so much in like nine years since, since after Jameis Winston left. That, that that program had been through a lot, a lot of bad losses. Nobody coming to the games at Dope Campbell Stadium, and it 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 really hurt me to see them not make it to the playoff because their fans have been wanting them to get back to the college football playoff to get back to try to win a national championship. And yeah, you get a good Orange Bowl with Georgia, but it means nothing because you did everything right. You won your conference championship game. You went thirteen and zero. And you didn't make it. And it's the first time that's ever happened. And I'm shocked. But when Bama beat Georgia, I figured Georgia wasn't going to make it. I felt like they weren't going to be in there. I felt like they were going to put Bama back in there. They find some way to put Alabama in the playoff. Texas deserved it because Texas beat Alabama week two, only lost Oklahoma, and then run, ran the table the whole way. I'm, I'm still kind of iffy about Washington. I'm still a little iffy about Washington. I'm not saying I, I don't respect Michael Penix. He's had an up-and-down career, and he's finally found his his stride now. And I just don't think that they're going to show up against Texas. I think Texas is going to beat them. That's just my opinion. Um, but the Alabama-Michigan game is going to tell the story. And I really think what the playoff committee wanted to do was that they wanted to try to set up that week two rematch with Texas, with Alabama in the national championship game. Something told me about that. Something told me they were going to try to do that. And if Bama beats Michigan and Texas beats Washington, you're going to get that rematch all over again. So we'll see what happens. But um, kind of hurt for Florida State fans. I hope that this doesn't deteriorate them going into the um, Orange Bowl. I, I'm like you, Curtis. I do want them to win. I do hope their second-string quarterback plays. 
I don't think that third stringer needs to play because, man, if you're only thinking about putting up 16 points on Georgia, you got a whole other thing coming. But I really hope that they can get more players from the portal, try to get back to where they are this year, next year, and try to actually get in the playoff, and we'll see what happens. But just heartbreaking for their fans because I know they're pissed. They're still going to be pissed for this for a while, but I didn't see that coming for sure. <laughs> yeah, I think I think my last point before I hit the outro here is that um, – I think you're 100% right that they they got embarrassed last year by a fluky TCU team that upset Michigan um, and then got thoroughly ass-kicked by by Georgia. Um, And they looked at this Florida State team as a team that had enough talent to maybe upset Michigan. And then they would have played Texas or Washington. And I don't think that the committee looked at that as a fair matchup. And they also looked at Washington versus Florida State in the national championship as a ratings disaster. Those are two. I mean, Florida State is is really close to being a blue blood, but they're not quite there. And, and Washington most certainly is not. So I think they looked at that as like, hey, we can't have this. Um, so they they chose Alabama instead, and that's so disappointing for those fans, for those players, for that team. Um, and you really feel for them, but. With that, we'll go ahead and wrap up an O-lengthy episode today, but uh, we, we've been off for a week and quite a lot to talk about already. Follow us on X at The Shant Show on Instagram at Shant Show. But uh, we appreciate you. As always, Shant's up. Fire to the fellas.